Life can be a messy business. It can seem like an endless barrage of issues, problems, predicaments, accidents, emergencies, disasters and catastrophes. Welcome to As We Get Older, the podcast where we explore ideas, advice and information to ready men for the road ahead, no matter what it brings. Gentlemen, start your mental engines. Let's get ready to talk about some things that just might help you get more control of your life, have a better now, and build a better future. Oh, shit, spill my coffee. Oh. Now, damn, that was hot. Here is your host, Bob Pesimir. Did I pronounce that right? Katie, darling, will you bring me a tea towel, please? Bugger, this is never coming out. My next guest is here to talk about money and how to manage it as we get older. He's been a financial services professional for almost 14 years. He's been married for 25 years to a wonderful woman who puts up with all his faults, has two kids that tolerate him and two cats that love him, and I think he just tolerates the cats back. He's a Northwest native, a graduate of Oregon State University, has a master's degree in finance and marketing from Willamette University, and he spent 12 years flying helicopters for the Navy. He then went on to start a company during the dot-com boom took it public, and suffered through the dot-com bust when everything changed. He went on to work for a broadband infrastructure company, and after 9-11, he wandered the universe a bit, took a little walkabout, and went into the mortgage business for a while, where I first met him. That melted away, and his financial advisor looked him in the eye and said, What are you doing? There's a home for you here, and you don't have to travel. Put that brain to work and build a practice. He did. He works in the Seattle neighborhood where he lives and where he could raise his kids, do baseball and Cub Scouts, and have some control of his life. My guest today is my friend and my financial advisor, John Gerhardt. And we started our conversation talking about his time in the Navy flying helicopters, usually off destroyers and cruisers. Let's pick it up there. Did you fly off carriers? Yeah, I flew off carriers. They didn't hmm. like me very much because I always cut in too close uh, to the tower. I always uh, got chewed out for that. Fly by again. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. My whole world was flying on destroyers and, and cruisers, and, you know, that's a short deck. It's about the size of a tennis court. Yeah. And they want me to fly on an aircraft carrier. That's like, you know, that's prime real estate. That's like a, that's like a wheat field. Yeah. Have a little and, fun. And, you know, the spots over there by the tower, that's where I'm going, right? <laughs> <laughs> Air boss didn't like that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, Anyhow, so, uh, okay. yeah, so it's... A good ride, and, and uh, I enjoy my, I enjoyed my time of being of service to the country and, and seeing things. It gave me a bit of a perspective, especially in these interesting political times. Mm, yeah. But uh, where I sit, uh, kind of an agnostic position, is you know, the capital markets don't really respond too much to the antics of Washington D.C. or as I call it, Hollywood for the ugly. <laughs> and. Um, all they want to know is, is there a law, is there a rule, and then they work through it or around it or under it. Yeah. It's the absence of a rule or a decision that creates a little bit of uh, volatility. Huh. Huh. So what do, you, what do you see that's going on right now? I mean, with everything with uh, our administration and, and all the turmoil in Washington, I mean, what do you, what do you think that's, what, what should people be sort of, how should they be looking at that from a financial perspective in a sense, you know, worry about well, it, not worry is to not get sucked into the drama. It's not 
stay focused on what you do, how you do it, do well doing it, innovate, create value at your own level. What happens in Washington, D.C., and what you see with the talking heads, you've got to remember, as, as you well know, uh, especially financial journalism, is uh, actively fosters a culture of doom and gloom hmm. and the illusion that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. The economy is inherently fragile and unstable, and equity markets may at any moment be subject to savage and long-lasting declines. Obviously, is not the case. Yeah, what do they What do they get out of doing that? What What's is that some way that financially they're they're getting something out of that, or what, why are they? Why well, do yeah, they... I mean, you know how it works. You, they, you say that the sky is falling, people listen. If you say mm. things are doing good, they say, well, that's the way it should be, and they get on with their day. Mm. But if you want to sell ads, if you want to sell more Viagra on TV or Cialis or whatever it is they're showing, or buy gold because the world's going to going down, mm. I mean, that's how you sell ads on TV, right? Fear. Fear. Exactly. Yeah. And it's polarizing and it's uh, paralyzing. It does all those, you know, it's much more powerful than optimism. True. So that's that's the power of journalism and that's what, why people watch Fox and CNN and CNBC and all that stuff because they're looking for the new, the hot drama of the day. Why do people watch Weather Mor- Channel? Yeah. Maury Povich. Well, look for the latest hurricane. Yeah, you know, someone else's problem. It's high drama. Yeah. So be careful what you see on TV because it just heightens negativity. And, and quite frankly, for most of us, what are you going to do? Control what you can control. You can't control that. Right. So let them go through their ex- mental exercise and get on with the day. But I think if you look, if you take a step back and you look what's happened in the last couple of years the policies that have come out of Washington, D.C. that affect you and I on the ground are pretty powerful in a good way. Um, How they got there might be filled with drama and emotion, but what's happening on the ground is pretty exciting. I mean, we have first relevant significant tax reform in 30 years, uh, which is really changing the dynamic of how multinational global companies operate and manage their finances. Uh, it's a good thing for U.S. companies to bring capital back from overseas. They've basically been rat-holed over there, and it's been an artificial stimulus or stimulative effect internationally because if you can't bring the money home, what are you going to do with it? You're going to invest in infrastructure overseas. And now that those tax rates are back down to 20%, about-ish, versus 40-plus, uh, corporations are bringing money back home and disincentivizing international expansion and allowing capital and capital projects to be done here in the U.S. at a much faster rate, which yeah. creates jobs, creates stability, and keeps the money moving and helps the U.S. Yeah. It's a really positive thing. So how that shows up here for the, for an average person is more work, higher wages, yeah. better life in general, in a sense. Right, because Boeing is making capital infrastructure projects and investments here in the U.S., not somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Caterpillar's doing the same thing. Packard's doing the same thing. IBM, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, they're all bringing, you know, infrastructure projects and programs back to the U.S. because it makes sense from a numbers point of view. They're not getting penalized to bring that money home. So why, 
why invest in an environment where you have undue political risk, undue economic risk, undue labor risk? It's just more expensive to operate, but um, you take a higher risk when you can bring it home and have a fairly stable environment to work in. Yeah. It's, it's magical. It's what's, what's going on right now. And if you look at capital markets, that's one of the reasons in, international investments are off the last couple of years is because all the money's coming home. Hmm. There's It's not going out of the U.S., coming back to the U.S., and it's kind of squeezing uh, international uh, infrastructure projects and programs overseas. Hmm. So, And we have a strong dollar, and if you look around, the U.S. in general is basically the only game in town with positive GDP year over year, even though we're muddling along around 2 to 3%. You know, yeah. better than zero, better than negative one. Right, yeah, it's a positive. Uh, it's a, a net positive for everyone. So in this kind of environment we've got going now, there's going to be some people out there, too, that are still going to try to take advantage of people's emotional state. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions, one of the things I really wanted to see if we could chat about was some of the financial mistakes people make, especially if, and if you see it in your clients and, and in your experience. Are there any that you, know, you see in the 30s and when they're, you know, kids are just coming along and then maybe in the... 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, is there any kind of a stages that you see to it or is it sort of a consistent, you know, what are the things that, that people just keep making that you see over and over again? Well, I guess the first thing is the younger crowd is don't be in a rush to be an investor. Learn how to be a saver. Hmm. And in this, you know, a, lot of, a lot of my younger clients, there's a rush to get a new car, a rush to get an apartment, and they haven't even established the groundwork the foundation of a credit score yet. Hmm. So focus on establishing good credit habits, establish a savings plan where you're paying yourself first and putting it in savings, earning not a whole lot, but it's flexible and it's there. And get yourself mentally trained to pay yourself first every time that you do do something. That, to me, is the number one thing. And once they have the fundamentals of a good savings plan, then you can graduate into an investor plan. Because now you have the comfort and security of knowing that when life throws you a curveball and you've got to buy a water heater or a new pair of set of tires or you've got to put a roof on your house or do something that's capital intensive, you have the capacity to do without going crazy with your credit cards. Right. Okay, so that's the number one thing with the younger crowd. Mm-hmm. The Folks, as they get older and have kids and can move on, they've established good savings plans. They put a little money down. They've been able to scrape enough to buy a house or a condo. Now they got to fill it up with stuff, and they kind of get a little overextended on their credit. Yeah. They don't have a lot of cash flow. So for me, 30s, 35, 45, 55, it's, hey, it's all about cash flow. Cash is king. Live within your means. And I keep reminding folks, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yeah. You know? So... You don't have to live extravagantly to live well. Although but, the, the TV would tell you otherwise. Right, right. All the marketing. Maybe, you know, you got to control the urge to go out and buy the brand new Mercedes, right, during right. The, the holiday sale and over Christmas holidays. <laughs> Santa Claus looks pretty good with the puppy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the puppy more than the car. <laughs> right, right. But then, then you know, as you get a little older, what I see over and over again is just, you know, you have your family, your kids are in high school, kids are in middle school, maybe one's going off to college. It's just being organized. 
get all this stuff together. Get your house in order. Where's your will? Have you talked about it? Hey, Ted, you have a power of attorney. You've watched mom go through the process of getting older. You watched dad. You saw the chaos. Why, why put yourself through all that again? Get organized. Get your house in order. Know where your insurance documents are. Know who your beneficiaries are in your 401ks, all those other things you have out there. Get, know where your will is. Know where your power attorneys are. Get that stuff organized because as you get into your 50s and 60s, stuff just happens. Yeah. And when it happens, it's too late. And, and it, uh, it usually seems to come. level denial because yeah. they think they're 40 and they're really 60. Yeah. And, and they seem to be caught totally unawares. I mean, um, there's, right. a, there's a great thing I was just reading recently. A, a poet by the name of William Meredith wrote that the worst thing that can be said of a man is that he did not pay attention. And it goes back to the differences between men and women. You know, where I think men are very impulsive, emotional, egocentric, need to have control. I see this over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the women that I'm working with in the families tend to be more deliberate, more thoughtful, logical. They want control, but with a plan. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of I play, I, I move the chess pieces with couples all the time to make sure that both voices are heard, but these are the themes I see over and over again. So in a way, are you saying the women usually win out if they're smart? The guy <laughs> so if the, if the guy is smart, he'll acquiesce to the woman because she's thinking about it better? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. More, more often than not. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, and it's funny that too, I mean, I think men think that they're in control and that they're doing it right and they're being logical and all that, but it, uh, in, from from the outside looking in, it can be just like, wow, what are you doing? Well, you, you, you want to be, you know, a lot of, a lot of men put their wealth on a, on their sleeve and that's kind of their identity and they, they've done well and it's on display. All good things, but you know, if you're very wealthy, but don't have your house in order, what's the point? It's Hmm. built on thin ice. Yeah. And I see this all the time. So for me, it's, before we really get into a, a, a comprehensive wealth acquisition program with my better clients, it's number one, do you have your house in order? Mm-hmm. Because if if the lights go out and you walk off with that great rainbow in the sky, what is it going to look like? And have you made a bunch of promises that you can't keep now? Mm-hmm. So let's get that taken care of and get that organized. And once we have that, then when things do happen, you can focus on the emotional element of life and, and dealing with the family and, and everything else is, for the most part, on autopilot. It's not something you have to chase. The mechanics are on autopilot. Yeah, yeah the mechanics, right, yeah. exactly. And uh, you have a conduit. You have the plumbing set. Yeah. You know where the drain valves are. You know where things are going to go to. Um, you know, direct early so that you don't have to focus on that when your emotional capacity is somewhat limited due to other variables in your life, either external or internal. Yeah. Had a um, sort of an example of a friend of my wife's, uh, the, the, the husband uh, worked at, a, was a sales guy, the head of sales, I think, for a small company, and they, they got bought. He got bought out, had a lot of money, and they did at least one smart thing. They paid off a $300,000 remodel loan mm-hmm. on their house. So, like, okay, good. And then 
So now this guy's unemployed, and he goes out and buys a Tesla mm-hmm. for the family. So the family, you know, husband, wife, two kids, are riding around in a Tesla. And he just says, it's just because kind of thing, like, because I can. Mm-hmm. And she's sort of in already in panic mode. You know, they have some money, but he's still young, and he needs to work, and they can't do this without it. She works. She has a great job and all that, too. But right now, the, the mechanics, the plumbing is not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, he go, yeah. and, and she was really pissed because she went, he goes out and buys a Tesla. Mm-hmm. Spends that kind of money on that kind of car. It's really just transportation. Everybody's sort of squished in this thing. Um, and, and Well, they are. They are nice. I tell you that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but she's all still, you know, in a panic about it. you got to go get a job. And he's like, oh, I'm going to just, uh, his answer is I'm going to do something to do with the Internet internet, and make a bunch of money. Well, and then, and like, that's oh, fine. Well. It's just that, you know, now that he has a little bit of time off, I, you know, I would recommend that before he jumps into it and gets focused on something else in the next grand chapter, that take, take a look over his shoulder and make sure the plumbing's right. Right. You know, get everything together, know where things are at, take a little time out, get the house in order. So that you can move on to the next chapter faster, better, cheaper. Yeah, because it just gets more expensive the older you get. Right. Yeah, and their kids are still. Um, gosh, I think they're junior high school, mm-hmm. starting in high school. There's still some years left, and then there's college. And you know, I think one of her thoughts was, "You bought a Tesla. What about the kids' college?" Well, you know, again, it's some. Sometimes it's just a, a dopamine rush of going mm-hmm. out. Doing something for yourself. Yeah. I get that. I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it from time to time. Yeah. But do do we know. overdo that, though, as men? I mean, you know, I think the women kind of look at us sometimes and go, oh, geez, there he goes again. Do you see that in your clients, you know, that they, 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 when there's something, they have a little bit of a windfall and they sort of go a little too far? Yeah, I, I see it from time to time. But the, the, the good thing is, these days, and I'll tell you this, Bob, it's you know, a fairly good economy, so you can recover yeah. from these mistakes mm-hmm. or these little distractions. You can recover from them now. But let's say, for instance, we go through another 2008, 2009, and you're sitting on a big mortgage, you're sitting on a Tesla with a car payment. I mean, that's just the, the recipe for disaster. Right. right. And I think there's, there's a lot of a lot of joy that can be had for having a Tesla and it's conversational and it's a lot of fun and it says, look at me and I've got you know, enough capacity to do this. It, it, you know, it has value, but at the end of the day, if you don't have your house in order, what's the point? Yeah. If, if it's just status on the outside that you want to show people, but there's the sort of the foundation is falling apart, right. it's not right. going to last. You know? Well, you know the old saying, you know, nice car, crappy house. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Driving a driving a Tesla and probably needs to pay attention to the sewer line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. So, what, what do you what do you see? Um, what do you see, T. John, in the way of what you know? How do men think about money, or, or really, you know, what what do they what do they need to know that most don't? You know, that most men just don't seem to get until maybe really later in life when the shit hits the fan. But what do you what do you think they need to maybe know more about earlier on? Well, I think it's uh, cash flow management is a, is a big thing I'm discovering. Everybody wants to live on the bleeding edge. Hmm. They've got a credit card, so they think that's going to save the day. 
I think credit's wonderful. I mean, for case case in point today, I just had the plumber show up and replace a water tank and put in a heat pump for uh, an EDU that we have in our house. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, did I use cash for that? Well, I have the cash, but I used the credit card to get the points. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a, it's, you know, pretty, it's a pretty hefty bill. Yeah. And um, I think that's pretty smart, right? Yeah. But I have the cash sitting on the sidelines, so I'm going to sweep it in and pay it off. But right. I think what men forget to realize is that, you know, the, the, the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest, and especially these days with, with uh, the way the interest rates have moved so fast, so quickly from uh, almost a 0% interest rate environment to 2 or 3% on the 10-year treasury in the last couple of years, is, you know, if you look at your credit cards and your unsecured debt, I mean, I, I'm, most of my clients are, are tracking around anywhere from 9 to 12%, and some people have cards that are as high as 20%. Yeah. And that's usury. And if you let that build, that just becomes such an obstacle to get over. Yeah. And that's just a really tricky thing. I mean, you can go out and do a lot of great things with credit, but you really have to pay attention to to utilizing for what it is, which is like a bridge, but not a permanent form of financing. Right. Yeah, you got to pay attention and say, yeah, we, we use the credit card for this. Remember to pay it off. Right, right, right. And so that goes back to my other line of cash is king, but cash flow is life. And if you can't pay, if you're not making any headway, that usually means you're a little over your skis with regard to your credit and the way that it's cost, what it's costing you. Yard sale on the way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Literally. The other thing I see, to get to your point, is I think that men that are working and, and, and looking to create financial security always have an eye out for the, the newest thing. Mm-hmm. And if you look back, what, two years ago or three years ago, it was Bitcoin. Everybody mm-hmm. what happened there yeah. and then last year oh we've got Canada legalizing uh, pot hemp and all this stuff so I gotta go buy some pot stock okay yeah the year before everybody rushes in prices go up last guy in usually is the sucker yeah um, you know the, everybody wants to run in and get something new flashy and blinky light something different reality of it is most of these new things do have value it's just that they're maybe a little early to the game and but let the they need to let it set out and create you know a real revenue stream and be, be vetted and validated within the capital markets before most of my retail investors jump in yeah what what i've seen a fair bit of too is that people are looking for easy yeah looking the for quick easy. quick and easy Right. And and most of those are just epic failures. A friend of mine, a friend of mine's brother-in-law, got into the whole marijuana thing here in Washington some years ago, and he's done nothing but pour hundreds of thousands of dollars into it, and it's gotten nowhere, and it's going to go nowhere. But he's still stuck to it, and still trying to throw money into it. And and you know his wife is just pulling her hair out. It's like he's going to just financially trash us right down the toilet. Well, like you. Like a dot com crash, and before then it was, um, you know, railroads, and before that it was cars. Yeah. There's always new breakthrough innovations and things that come up, and then everybody rushes in. 
from an investment point of view, where I, I, I step back and say, okay, it's changing the dynamic of the market, adding new features and value that we didn't have a couple of years ago. For our clients, is it really appropriate for them to put that much risk capital out there? Um, in most cases, it's the answer is probably not. Uh, wait a couple of years, wait for the market to absorb it, see who the real players are. The good ones are going to get purchased, the bad ones are going to kind of go by the wayside. And at the end of the day, you'll be able to pick up the same innovation and technology for 10 cents on the dollar. But it seems, yeah, it seems everybody gets stuck on this. Well, boy, if I'd invested in Microsoft or Amazon or whatever to pick your company that that you know went somewhere in a hurry, um, gee, I could I could have had been sitting on a ton of money, and all I would have had to do is put a thousand dollars in this thing or some right. you know real right. low amount of money. It's easy, you know. It's like oh, it's and and the other thing that I don't think they realize either is that uh, well, like Microsoft, it sort of hasn't gone anywhere in quite a while. Um, far as a stock they go up and they settle there's a there's a pattern to these things you know how they work um and and the money just it's, it's not that quick you know and the the risk is they the money the company goes down the toilet exodus where my wife worked was mm-hmm. you know the classic example it was way high and within six months it was gone well at data centers like same thing mm-hmm. innovative new breaking ground change the paradigm, greater access, faster, better, cheaper, storage, access to the internet, great, right? Well, then everybody jumps in, right? And it's all about capital financing, it's all about access to markets, and is the end user ready for what you have to offer? Pod stocks here in the U.S. and Washington, take a look. Hey, everybody got a token, everybody got a shop, guess what? We're really good at growing this stuff. Supply went through the roof. Cost of product went to the floor, right? Right. The, the ability to create a margin on that after you throw a couple million bucks at a plant equipment is pretty hard yeah. when your product is dropping through the floor because there's too much supply. Right. Um, same thing with data centers, right? Yeah. Same thing, like I said, with the pot stocks. Same thing with Bitcoin. Everybody jumped in. Yeah. <laughs> you see this, this cycle over and over again, yeah. right? But what happens after these things occur take a step back and you see the, the, the economic landscape change, it fundamentally shifts. And then you can you start to see real trends develop and then you get involved in those long-lasting trends. But the short bursts, the breakthroughs, are typically not where risk capital needs to be for most mainstream retail investors. Yeah. It's, they're, they're more of just a crapshoot. If you got some, I guess, disposable money that you're willing to risk, I mean, maybe... But you have to, only if you have your house in order. Right, yeah, you got to have all the mechanics going first but before you want to start thinking about that kind of a high-risk right, right. thing. Yeah. And then, so I think it's a, it's a constant battle with uh, managing your time and talent and, and the cash that you do have. But uh, for the most part, folks are pretty even-keeled. But there are certain trends from time to time that capture the imagination of everybody. And when you're on the soccer field with your kids and guy next to you says, hey, what do you think about Bitcoin? It's usually too late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Smart money's been on that for a couple of years before it makes it to the soccer field. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, and, and what else is out there, John, that, that, that men tend to get sort of along these kind of lines? You know, they, they, they get suckered into something and 
before, and before you know it, the money's you know evaporated, and those. You know, what are, what are the other things out there that that people well, keep I running think into? That the, right now, that my biggest fear with my clients is uh, the the lack of of catastrophic loss protection with families that have you know they're they're kind of running and gunning, they're going to softball, they're doing baseball, they're doing soccer, and they just forget that life just keeps ticking, and that. You know, if one of the two primary breadwinners is out of the picture, what does that look like? Hmm. And I think that's a huge black hole that people just, they, they, not, they don't choose to ignore. They just don't see it because they're just focused on what they're doing on a daily basis. Too, too busy other, other places? Too busy, to, yeah. too busy to fill the gaps. You make promises as you, as you grow your family and, and develop and do things. You want to make sure you, if you make a promise, you have the capacity to fulfill that. Um, also, I think one of the biggest fears I have is when I look out and I see what the cost of the rising cost of health care, especially uh, managed care, and, and what's the game plan, especially with families that disperse. You know, we raise a family of three or four kids. They, one guy goes to New York, one goes to Arizona, one kid's in California, another guy's in Montana. You're here with mom, you know, your, your wife, and, and, and what's plan B if one of you has condition where it's going to take a lot of time and effort to support. Hmm. How do you deal with that? And home care costs a lot. You know, the support mechanism of having multi-generational families is there in some families, but for the most part, it's very dispersed. Yeah. And how do you help family members become great care managers versus care providers when that time comes? Yeah, because they can't provide it when they're living in New York and you're in Washington or Texas. Correct. Or, yeah. And if you have your plumbing in place, you have your house in order, and you've got a plan and a process and a program, and you've recognized that this is a risk and you've covered it, when the day comes and you have issues, clients that I've noticed that have taken the time, have put that program in place, and have a loved one or a family member become a, a primary care manager, get the best care possible because the care providers have someone looking over their shoulder. Hmm. And there's not there's a financial strain is much less, and there's a program in place, and everybody gets off to a better day. It's the lack of that planning and the lack of that forward thinking that creates a lot of chaos because everybody wants to do the right thing, but uh, it creates a lot of emotional waves within the family that... Uh, Drains a lot of energy out of the yeah. out of the good things. Yeah, you should be enjoying. Yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't think of it when I was in my early thirties and you know mid thirties, getting married, having children, and I, it was almost like life's going by too fast. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to to get some sense of stop for a second. Yeah, yeah, I see this especially with my clients in their fifties and sixties, especially as they watch their parents. Uh, they 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 change or there's a medical event that changes the dynamic and now they they have to reinforce in a position where they have to take care of mom or they have to take care of dad at a higher level yeah and uh, i think that really wakes people up and that's becoming more and more common because families are dispersed yeah. and they need, to, they need to look forward and they have a plan in place so that they can address these, um, these issues as they come up because they are expensive and they're more expensive than people think and and it just seems people don't think about it. It's like, oh no, I don't know if it's the that's 
that's too terrible to think about, or I'm just too busy, or the whole combination or other things. How come that you know I'm be interesting to try to put my finger on how come people don't look at that? Um, you know, that the, these are things that are actually fairly likely to happen as you get older. Well, it's, it's more likely to get it happen as you get older because we're living longer. Yeah, I mean, we're not dying at 85 anymore; we're dying at 105. And as they, every time you go to the doctor and they stick some green juice into you to give you a better, faster heart or better eyes or better knees, you're going to live longer. It's just going to get more expensive. Yeah. Huh. Now, dying is not, you know, dying is easy. Living is the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> that takes work. <laughs> yeah, it does. It takes that's, a little bit of planning. That's a lot of work. And, and I think that's what people are, are failing to realize is that as we have innovation and medical services and processes get better faster, it also translates into people living longer. It just is more expensive to do it. Mm-hmm. And Medicare isn't going to cover the freight. You know, uh, government's just not going to be there to support you at a high level if your capacity to live has been diminished. Medicare isn't set up for that. That's on you. That's on your own shoulders. Mm-hmm. So this this sounds more like, again, back to the, you got to have the, the basics, the mechanics, the plumbing going in, in good order so that you can weather these things as they come by and, and try to whack knock you down. Um, you can still have, you know, live a good life as, as much as you can, you know, in health mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but if you have other people that you, that are going to pull away from your enjoyment of life because you have to go take care of them, then like say the, the, if you can set yourself up to be an effective manager, then you're not sort of sucked into the ground level. There's other right. other ways, other people, other support people that can actually do more of that. And this is where I'm getting a lot of traction with my middle-aged clients is the fact that they're actually being forced to stop and reset their daily activities, monthly activities to take care of a elderly parent. Hmm. And, and that's actually opening up the door for a, a, a better conversation with these clients because they're actually So does this also um, get back to kind of a, um, yeah, it's great when your life's going well and everything's good, and but, um, you know, there's a sense of even then you have to pay attention to the future. And, and you know, and, and, and it's like so, a lot of these things I'm now at, in my early 60s, it's like, God, I wish I'd have paid attention to more of this when I was in my even late 20s, mid 30s, you know, and started this 30 years ago rather than have it be here now kind of thing and say, okay, I've got to make up ground. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's kind of an ongoing process and things do change and programs and things that are going to benefit you for the long term evolve. I mean, just take a look at the state of Washington. Um, the types of insurance and programs that we have in place here in this state are vastly different than they were just 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and it, 
it's always interesting to me to take a look at what people have kind of globbed onto as a program or a fundamental part of their good housekeeping 20 years ago and then just try to modernize it, get it up to speed with where we're at today. More benefit, more bang for your buck, better, faster, cheaper. I kind of refer to insurance and a lot of these risk management programs like TVs. It just keeps getting better. Hmm. It's cheaper, it's better, it's more efficient because the governments and social services that we built this country on are getting squeezed. People have to be more innovative to get more out of what they have. So along the lines of what we've just been talking about, what are the maybe three or four things as far as plumbing you think people should have in place? What, and, you know, what, are, the, what are those kind of mechanic things that, that they've got to really think about having thought through and, and at least mostly in place by you know the time they're 40-ish or something? What are, what are those things, those three or four things that are really key to have in place for them to, to help them set them up on a, on a good foundation? Especially if you're talking generic, you know, couples with kids, uh, or just couples, or just you know, those that, that kind of category is look, you've got more than one person to worry about in your circle, and if you have extended family, that just complicates things even more. So it's making sure that your wishes are communicated in a, in a state plan or a document that demonstrates that you have a will that you have the capacity for someone to take care of you for mental or health incapacitation, um, making sure that the legal documents allow for your voice to be heard, mm-hmm. and that also any wealth that you've accumulated, accumulated has the capacity to get where you want it to go without it getting tied up in courts or tied up in litigation. So yeah. making sure that you have your beneficiaries outlined, making sure that your will is accurate, yeah. and especially important with blended families, making sure that bloodlines are represented or at least respected. And if, you, if there's a capacity to, to offset, use insurance or other types of programs to make sure things are clear when when one party is gone, if there's yeah. an estate that needs to be unwound. Yeah. You know, and, and we're just um, dealing with this in, in our family. My wife, uh, my sister-in-law passed away a year ago, December. And we're still dealing with it. My wife is executor of the will, and she's still there's still things to be done, you know, uh, to get that. And she had a will, mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's still so t- it takes a long time. Yeah, and it, and it takes a long time because you have to unwind things, and things are not clear. Yeah, and and so it's getting that clarity, getting things established, and then if when things change, take a look at it, review every five to eight years. Make sure things are set because things change. You definitely don't want to be dealing with this stuff if health becomes the primary focal point. Yeah. Your, your, your mind is not there. Your emotions are not there. You're not thinking about these things clear. And, and emotions tend to take over versus logic and clear thinking. So right. do it when things are at the calm before the storm. And then make sure to review it every five to eight years. Make sure it's accurate because people's lives do change. Yeah. Right? Um, next thing is cash flow, making sure that you have enough liquidity on the sidelines, safe money, to, to kind of be used for opportunities as they develop, or to pay off the little hiccups in life that, that come around. So that would be not just not just an emergency fund, but more of a, maybe there's an opportunity to... Sure. Maybe yeah, you want so. to be a partner in a company. Maybe yeah. you want to buy into a firm, or maybe you want to make a job change. You know, typically, it takes a little capital. Right. Or maybe there's a little 
cabin somewhere in the woods that came up for sale. Like the neighbors would drop by. <laughs> um, you know, these things are all fun and exciting, but if you don't have the liquidity and capacity to do it, they're going to they're going to go right by you. Um, then the other thing is just making sure, you know, I try to really hit people on, you know, cash is king, but cash flow is life. Making sure that you understand where the money's coming from and where the money's going. And, pay attention. Uh, pay attention. Yeah. Know how many sources of income you have. Is that income rising income? Is the income guaranteed income? If you're gone, where's the income go? I mean, I have a lot of clients that are double dippers and have everything in pensions or some guaranteed income plan, and if one spouse is gone, that, there goes all the money. I mean, literally, all the money disappears. Wow. They don't have a lot of wealth. They have a lot of income. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Really, really identifying where the money's coming from, and if something catastrophic happens, is everybody going to be okay? And okay means a lot of things to a lot of people, but is it okay according to what that client perceives as being good and proper for their family? Yeah. Anything else? Well, um, I just wanted to say that you had a question here about buy fear, sell greed, and I yeah. think that that's that me and my line of work is kind of my my flag that I fly to, to proclaim that you got to be an optimist. You have to believe that there are more people on this earth today than there were yesterday. That those people all want a better, a better, faster, cheaper, more efficient lifestyle than the ones that came before them. And they're going to innovate things. And value is going to be created. And we will go through periods where the mark, capital markets pull back and correct have a little bit of heartburn. That's normal stuff. But if you don't have a plan together, you don't have cash on the sidelines, you don't have a process to manage all that, you're going to allow your emotions to take over and you're going to be a trader or a timer. And those things typically are short-lived and typically don't turn out very well. But if you have a plan and a process and you can see these things coming and they hit you, then you have the capacity to buy low or buy into fear. And when things are really rosy, you have the capacity to sell off a little bit and harvest a little bit of what you gain. That's how you keep it. And that's, to me, been the most successful strategy going forward for our clients. And folks with a plan, folks with a process, tend to have a little less emotion in the game, tend to have more fun with the volatility, see more opportunities, and then are basically have all their plumbing set so that when do, things do change, they can shift right or shift left and not have to re- reset everything. Hmm. It, yeah, it's a better process. Yeah, don't let don't let the market push you around. Have a plan, and you know, fight back when opportunities present themselves. Great. So, what have we so not? Keep, keep an open mind and be an optimist. There you go. Yeah. What What have we not talked about? Not talked about that maybe we should. Anything we've missed? Well, I think that. Uh, no, I just I, I think we covered a pretty broad swath. I, I think capital markets are interesting. Capital markets change; they're dynamic. But if if you if you are going to chase the latest greatest idea, typically you're going to get burned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's entertaining and energetic to see shifts in how we consume and do things. I mean, like you and I both know, five or six years ago, none of us really had an iPhone that was worth a darn. Now we can't live without it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, products and services that haven't even been invented that we're going to be using day-to-day, like Netflix. I mean, everybody's got Netflix, right? 
Seems like there it. Are just some, there are some really cool things happening, and the, the pace of innovation is accelerating, not decelerating. So more good things are coming. More good things are happening. And the way we communicate and the way we get goods and services are going to change. And I think there's value to be had in capital markets and having a diversified platform and a process and a program to take advantage of it is really going to benefit a lot of folks. And the folks that have analysis paralysis and try to cherry pick are going to be, I think, disappointed. I sit on the bench, wait yeah. till it's till everybody's in. Well, what's the definition of that? It's buying high, right? It's getting at the, getting in at the top, right. feeling left out. I didn't get in now, so I got to get in today at the very peak. You know? And then when you feel that, that punch in your gut when the market's selling off 30% like we did just a couple months ago, that same person should be buying those same good ideas at a 30% discount. Yeah. Buy fear, sell greed. Yeah, yeah. Buy, yeah. buy fear, sell greed. Yeah. But but have a plan. Be optimistic. Get your plumbing set, and don't be so selfish to think that you're going to live forever. Hmm. And as men, we tend to think we're immortal, we're bulletproof, until that first knee goes out or that heart ticks and elect has a little extra tick in it. And then things then things change. Yeah, the perspective starts to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, widen a little. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, the yeah. last thing I'm going to leave you with as far as, you know, talking to men as a market, as, a, as, as an audience, is that if you don't get your act together now and you don't get your plumbing set, the women will inherit the earth. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> They're waiting patiently. It's a numbers game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a game of attrition. Yeah. And and you know I find them to be more deliberate, more thoughtful, more logical, and you know. <laughs> yeah, all those good things that we're not. All those good things that we we have a hard time bringing out. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, with the with the change, increasing rate of change, complexity, information flow and mm-hmm. movement out there, if we don't start thinking a little ahead of things, we're just going to get run down. Right. We're going to get caught off guard. Yeah. We're going right. to get caught surprised. Yep. And, and and I just, especially if you have family, you've made promises, you have a sense of duty and obligation to make sure that you fulfill most of what you said you were going to do. <laughs> Pay attention. Then you can do this. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. It just takes a little effort. It's, yeah. and I, in our mind, folks, it's just like eating your broccoli. It's good for you. Just don't eat too much. Yeah. But you have to do it yeah. from time to time. I put cheese sauce on mine. Amen. Yeah. Just a little. Just a Give little. Give me another extra helping of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I hope that helps. Yeah. Thank you, John. Appreciate your time and your attention. Um, yeah. Yeah. This has been a great chat. I appreciate it very much. Got it. All and, right. Thanks. Bob was fishing this year. Yeah. Sounds good. Late summer. Okay. Okay. Got to run. Thank right. you. Thanks, See John. You. All done, Bobby? Yep. Thank you for listening to the As We Get Older podcast. If you have any questions for our guest today, you can send an email to info at aswegetolder.net and Bob will forward that on. You can subscribe to the podcast and connect with us and the other two gents trying to figure life out at aswegetolder.net. Remember, if you learn a little more, you can live a whole lot better. Thanks for listening. Oh, shit, I did it again. Bugger all. Bugger all.